0: Hey guys, what's up? Before episode 175 starts, I just interviewed Ryan Philippi about a couple of minutes ago. I'm going to put the interview at the front of this podcast. He stars in this new movie called The Locksmith. It's in theaters and on demand this Friday, February 3rd. I enjoyed the film. Me, Eric, Holmes, and Bruce Berkey did the review of The Locksmith. So you can actually, after this interview with Ryan, check out our review of The Locksmith on the actual episode both me and Eric dug it. Bruce, not so much. So two out of three ain't so bad. As for this interview with Ryan, he talks about some of the movies that influenced him as a youth, his lifelong love for the Philadelphia Eagles. Hopefully, I I don't know if you guys are are huge football fans. If if you're rooting for the Chiefs or the Eagles, I'm rooting for the Eagles. I love Jalen Hurts, but we do some sports talk, but we also talk about his career and specifically his work in the locksmith as well. It's about a 12-minute interview, so I will have the time codes in the episode, so if you don't want to listen to Ryan, just go right into the, and go into the reviews, click that, and if you just want to listen to Ryan, good news, it's right at the top of this podcast. Alright guys, thank you so much for supporting all four of us here on Cinematics, check out The Locksmith, also for our Patreon listeners, I talked to Ryan about the ending of The Locksmith and his reaction towards the final moments, which is Walled off for our Patreon members. So I'll also, I think in the next hour and a half, I'm going to interview the director, Nicholas Harvard, and I'm going to ask him about the end of The Locksmith as well. All the spoiler stuff is walled off and exclusive for our Patreon members. But here is the interview with Ryan Philippi. And then after that, we go into episode 175. Thanks again, guys. Bye. Ryan, before we get to The Locksmith, let's get to some serious business. In two weeks, The Kelsey Ball. Who's going to yeah. win and what are, what is your feeling right now? Because you are a diehard fan.
1: I'm a diehard fan. Um, I, you know, the, the Super Bowl is a hard one to call sometimes because it really does end up being, and especially this year, the two best teams. Super Bowls have their fluky moments, you know, that you can't really account for or predict. I honestly, I do believe the Eagles can win primarily because of our defensive line and our offensive line. Um, that D line for the Eagles—you saw what they did to the Niners. We took out two quarterbacks. Like it's just, uh, they Hassan Reddick and the D line are out of control. Um, but the other thing is, us—we have a soft spot for Andy Reid too, because he was our coach for 14 years. But he won once, and 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 uh, you know, yeah, I'm excited, man. It's it's crazy. This scene, this season came out of nowhere. And- Nobody expected us to have this record.
0: Oh, jail has been amazing this year. And very quickly, I remember I got into football about 25 years ago. Okay. And, and uh, my coworker over at E, he said, the best fans are are Eagles fans. And I go, why? And he goes, dude, we boot Santa Claus. So what was it like? What's it like been for you, just your life, just being in that community, you know?
1: It's so, it's so passionate and it's such a a family in, in so many ways. When you go to like an Eagles game at the stadium and people tailgate the way they do back in college like you know they'll start in the morning and make breakfast and be out there all day and um it's just uh you know it's a blue-collar city a lot of people from around that area that's their upbringing and that's their mentality and it's very kind of uh scrappy and and people just love their sports man like I, I go to sporting events in a lot of locations that I'm working, whether it's, you know, obviously I go go to Laker games here and there or Rams or it's just different, man. It's there's no uh, environment like a Philly sports event.
0: You know, I really love how unique the locksmith was because I'm a huge fan of these type of genre films. Can you speak to that? Was that a big attraction for you? The fact that without giving too much away, the narrative goes in different places and it's not your A to B revenge crime thriller.
1: Yeah. To me, it felt kind of like a throwback to like a a 70s movie in some ways, like like the kind of thing that Steve McQueen would have done or, you know, we talked about the James Caan movie Thief as a as inspiration at some point. And um, I like that, you know, Nick is French, his background, he's American guy, but he's his mother's French. And so he loves the whole film noir thing. And you know uh the the sort of heightened aesthetic elements that go along with that of like you know when i come in and i find april and she's smoking and you see her from the back and a cigarette and still kind of leaning into some of the pulpy kind of like thriller aspects of it but at its heart you know it's a guy looking for redemption trying to right the wrongs of his past uh start a relationship with his daughter after being in prison for 10 years um you know and and i and i like that aspect too i think it's you know you, you root for those characters even when they're making questionable choices you you still root for them to to figure it out
0: Ryan, is there a charge that you get as a, as an artist working on indie driven projects? Last several years, I've seen a lot of your work and it's not under the umbrella of a big studio. You're pretty much, you're, you're under the gun. You have a certain budget, but within that world, within that sphere, you can have a lot of creativity within the storytelling. Has that been a great, um, energetic force for you on a creative level, just with starring in these type of films?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, the way that the the film, industry has changed as a whole has meant that a lot of those small films that used to exist in the you know 40 to 25 million dollar budget zone it's really now for film production it's either you're at the one end of the very big budget you know marvel and temple movies or it's independent film for the most part now um and those films get acquisition by companies and then they claim them as their own but A lot of times to tell a a good story that's not obvious, you're going to have to go the independent route. The studios don't seem to have the same interest in making those anymore. Um, And the other thing is, I'm enjoying, you know, the the locksmith, I'm very much the lead of, uh, but the last couple of years, I've enjoyed playing supporting roles in a couple of independent films, you know, where it allows me to. You know, do a little bit of preps, come in for a week or two, do a couple of really fun scenes and then move on to something else where it's almost like doing, you know, television or, you know, an arc on a TV series where the commitment isn't as drastic, um, which at my age is is something that you factor in now. I've done this for 30 years and, you know, where I'm going to be and for how long matters to me now. (laughs)
0: I, I don't know how do you how you can balance those sixteen weeks. Uh, I, I I don't have life. I'm I'm a Texans fan, so I, I just <laughs> I put my life on hold during football season. So kudos to you for actually balancing a career during football season. But I have a question for my podcast co-host for you, and uh, it's a two-part question. He was gonna he's asking you is quote the longest distance between two points. Do you know what that is?
1: Whoa, it's a straight line.
0: Yeah, The longest distance between two points is a kidnapper and his money. And he wanted to ask you, what's it like after all these years to see The Way of the Gun? Yeah, The Way of the the (laughs) the Gun. My bad. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, So Uh, um, um,
0: what is it like? Just a lot of people really consider it as one of their favorite films. It's gained popularity over the last 20 plus years. Is that a good feeling with movies like that and and McGruber and just, you know, so.
1: I love it, man. Sometimes having films that like develop a later audience or a cult following are more rewarding because they'll last uh longer. Um and people and people discover them over, you know, I there's still people that'll discover stuff that I've done years after it's out. And it it is kind of fun that way. Um, I love Way of the Gun. It's one of my favorite things I've done. We we sometimes kick around the idea of doing a sequel. Um, you know Chris McQuarrie who now does all like Mission Impossible and every you know all the Tom Cruise movies he would like to revisit the world because he feels like he screwed it up and I you know uh, but um, I, yeah it was I I, I love it man I, same thing with McGruber, like and those types of movies end up having such dedicated fans you know the people that know every every line of dialogue and you know, there's like drinking games built around McGruber and and um, yeah, it's fun to have those. And then I've got the couple ones. Like I know what you did last summer that comes out every, you know, every October there's people watching that and posting that. And um, it's, it's, I guess that's what you hoped as a young actor. is like you would have things that lasted that stood the test of time that people still went back to. And,
0: right. A, a couple yeah. more questions on that train of thought. Can you name just from your extensive body of work, right off the top of your head? Can you name um, a movie you would love cinephiles to see from your resume that you feel is either underappreciated or underrated, and and you personally love?
1: Interesting. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I you know, there's a few that I really. I I I, I think the movie I did with Chris Cooper called Breach is a really good one. It's a true story about. Uh, the arrest and capture of of Robert Hansen, the worst spy in U.S. history. And um, I think that's a pretty quality film. I really love Flags of Our Fathers that I did with Clint Eastwood because it was a World War II movie and I have a lot of family that served. Um, So things, you know, things have different meanings for different reasons, I guess. Um, But uh, yeah, there are a few that I feel like people haven't seen that I kind of... Like, but I also think, you know, the locksmith is one of those. It's like, it's kind of like a, it's a nice story. And it's like one of those, it feels like a throwback. There's something comforting about it.
0: And final question, I, I, I've i seen in interviews that you've mentioned Cool Hand Luke as a film influence, but can you name right off the top of your head one of your all-time favorite movies? And what is it about this specific film that still resonates with you as a, as a movie buff?
1: Yeah, Cool Hand Luke was definitely one of the reasons I became an actor, for sure. Um, I was just inspired by it. that performance and that story and everything. Um, beyond that, I got really into um, you know, Scorsese and I got really into Coppola and like, you know, it, that you know, as I was a younger younger person, like that's kind of what I would get inspired by. And then working with Altman and and I'm a big Altman fan, um was was a really special thing for me as well. Um But I think back on movies like Raging Bull and Dog Day Afternoon, um, you know, were some of the kind of movies that I was really, um, you know, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest.
0: Yeah. And before before we go, after you guys win the Kelsey Bowl, what about the Sixers? Sixers going to get the championship? Or is it going to be my Clippers? I've been depressed since 84. Who's going to Yeah, I mean,
1: (laughs) look, uh, we've we won in 83 so it's been a long time for us too if i don't know man if the eagles were to win the super bowl and the sixers got the chip i might take a break from being from sports i might like what can be better than that i would just be but who knows it's like you know there's a lot of basketball left but you guys with uh Domingo ryan's man i'm a huge fan of his i think that's a great hire I'm not going off the
0: record. I might have uh, I might have teared up a little bit when with the hire because it's it's amazing. That's
1: exciting. Yeah, I'm glad he's back
0: there. Yeah, Ryan, thank you so much for your time. Really enjoyed your film.
1: Got it. Thank
0: you. Take care, man.
1: Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. Forty films a month, more than four hundred a year. That's a plethora of cinema too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that, but don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics.
0: Hello, everyone. We're back with another episode of Cinematics. This is episode 175. I am joined by Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes, my betters. Anderson Cowan will be with us in a couple of weeks to preview the rest of this month. But as of living in the present, there are some really good movies, hopefully, this week that we're going to cover. Bruce Perky, how have you been? How's the last week been for you regarding movie watching in general?
2: I've watched lots of movies, lots of movies. Some it, might be good and some might not be good.
0: What is it like to when you put 20 movies on our Google Doc and you see me Gregor scissors hands just cut away at all these movies that you want to talk about? How, how does that make you feel? Do you want me to throw do you want to throw me over the cliff like most people want to do?
2: No, I expect there to be some, some snipping and, and uh, cutting there, so I just try to figure out which babies I want to save the most.
0: <laughs> which babies you want. <laughs> hopefully, we, hopefully, we're going to save this baby. This baby is going to be named this week Baby Ruby. That's one of the features. Very good time, Bruce Burkey. This is Baby Ruby is one of the features we're covering this week. Eric Holmes, by the way, I just heard from your buddy, our buddy, Anderson Cowan, and he said, a movie that... He wants us to see in a couple of weeks to review. It's a movie called After Sun. I think it's a touchy feely kind of mm-hmm. cool movie. Have you heard anything about it, Eric or Bruce? That it's good or or whatnot?
3: Anything? I, I haven't uh, seen it, but I heard good things. wasn't Wasn't it like a wasn't it like a early on before they gave out the Oscar noms? Wasn't that kind of one of the movies they were throwing around? Yep, they were throwing that around. I believe it's Paul Mescal and got the other people, but it's
0: one of these really indie darlings that's supposedly really good. Might be a wistful, touchy-feely movie. Is that is that your type of movies that you like, Eric Holmes? Is that your your, your cup of tea, touchy-feely stuff?
3: Ah, uh, I, I can deal with it sometimes. Although apparently the Oscars can't, because <laughs> okay. from, from uh, judging from the last week or so, uh, if if uh, any. Uh, if anything gets uh, nominated that wasn't already previously talked about, people don't like that. Andrea riseboro what is she doing in the
0: Bruce Perky, did you, did you launch that email campaign about two, two Leslie because we didn't get- <laughs> <laughs> I think Bruce Perky like, wanted uh, uh, just a one-on-one with Andrea Riseboro. He wanted three-on-ones, actually. He wanted a one-on-one with me and Andrea Risborough. Bruce wanted a one-on-one. Eric wanted a one-on-one. And when we didn't get what we wanted, Bruce launched a two Leslie- Entire campaign is that true, Bruce? Berkey on that.
2: I don't judge whatever polyamorous arrangement you're trying to make here, but hello, <laughs> she is a very good actress.
0: Yes, we saw her in a, bu- a bunch of movies this year. I th- I'm trying to remember what was that movie—the one where, where it's kind of like West Side Story, and but, but but it meets John Waters. Do you guys remember that? Please, name? baby, please, please, baby, please. And there's another movie that sort of—you're thinking it's a supernatural film. I forgot what that other movie
2: here was before. Called.
0: Thank you, Bruce Berkey, Here Before. Look, this is a movie, if you haven't seen Here Before, personally, I, I think it's one of the best performances of the of last year because it's so subtle and the, the storytelling is quite good. But Bruce, you, I know you were very high on Please, Baby, Please, right? That was the one that you really loved? Or maybe
2: uh, both. both. Both of them are on my list yeah. for the end of the year, yeah.
0: What about you, Eric Holmes? Please, yes. Baby, Please, and then Here Before, Were Those High? marks for you and are you excited to see too leslie
3: yeah i mean andrea Risebro she's great and everything so I, it'll be good to see too leslie it, if if anything the whole uh controversy that surrounded that the stupid stupid controversy that surrounded that uh at least it points people to andrea rise which is never a bad thing
0: and at least it points people to, at least, look, to Leslie, that indie film is getting a lot of coverage, which is very, very good. Speaking of coverage, if you want more film coverage, check us out on deepestdream.com, as well as every single week now on that website. I'll be doing Blu-ray and DVD giveaways. You recently had a Blu-ray giveaway, Eric Holmes. Who did you give away Saga Sue, a.k.a. Missing To, on for the
3: podcast. Did you give uh, away? I haven't sent it out yet, but uh, Ryan Smith hit me up. So he will be getting the Saga Sue Blu-ray that's right here. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, Very cool. It, it says missing, but it's, it's Saga Sue. Okay.
0: And then I'm, a, I'm also giving away my copy of missing as well as I have about 10 or 15 copies of Florence <laughs> Foster Jenkins or something like that. Whatever that movie's name is. It's a Meryl Streep film. I purchased it on 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 blu-ray via dollar tree store got it for a dollar 25 not these are not bad these bruce is there an an area in like a dvd or blu-ray store near your neck of the woods where they have dollar bin dvds or blu-rays or dollar 25
2: we have dollar trees i think as well not as many uh, because it's just not as big of an urban area and then of course uh second charles is really good for like a little more expensive but you can find a lot more there but for the dollar ones, yeah, Dollar Tree.
0: Oh, I don't know. How about you, Eric Holmes? Is Entertainment? Mark? Do they have a Dollar Tree situation, or are their DVDs cheap as well? that they use DVDs? Maybe four uh, or five bucks.
3: Yeah, the um, I mean, they got some that are a dollar, uh, and then they got some that are thirty dollars. It's it just it, it all depends. But they're all they don't have like a dollar movie section. They're just mm. kind of spread out. So, um, like it, if you go for uh, oh, I don't know, what's a, what's a like chain reaction. Mm -hmm. you know and there's like 30 30 starring keanu
0: reeves and who else who was the bruce perky Uh, who was the lead actress in that or eric holmes do you remember don't remember rachel rachel (laughs) vice
3: in chain reaction there there you go but i i just pulled that out of my butt but anytime you get like a dvds where there's like 30 or 40 of them in the in the area probably going to be a dollar you (laughs)
0: know chain reaction i I still have not seen that movie but anyways speaking all that chain reaction stuff every single week i'll be doing blu-ray and dvd giveaways on that website and promoting them on this podcast and our other podcast the find your film podcast again missing in florence foster jenkins i will have this will be a weekly thing i will have the on the show notes a link where you can actually enter the giveaway now promotion aside oh one more thing, Eric Holmes, what are you, what have you been working on the last several days regarding cinematics and merch?
3: I got the, uh, uh, Anderson emailed me all the cinematics, uh, logos and stuff, all the artwork, and I'm working on uh cinematics merch. And so we will have, uh, that, have been playing around with it this weekend and this week, and we'll have something up by, by the time we record next week, it should be up. So you're listening to this on Thursday or Friday, maybe. A week from now, it'll it'll be up. Oh, you promise? Scout's honor.
0: Scout's honor? Okay. Yeah. I promise a lot and I break them. So I know you at least are true to your word. Bruce, do you trust Eric Holmes to have it up and running in a week?
2: Implicitly.
0: Implicitly? <laughs> what, if I, what if I promised? Would you trust that I would actually have it up in a week?
2: Uh, You'd have something up in a week for sure.
0: <laughs> well, again, I, I do suffer from ED. <laughs> I don't know what ED means, by the way. Well, you guys will have to look that up Ed. at show. What Family show, family show. Short for
3: Edward. Short for Edward.
0: Sure. sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely short for Edward. Not a lot. Uh, not long for anything. But anyways, Jason Cleberg from Force Five Film Podcast. I'm reading a text or a message you just sent me. He says I'm planning my late February show, which will be Top Five Films of 2002, 2022. Do you want to be a guest on that episode? And yeah, sure thing. What do you think? Am I gonna Bruce? Do you think I'm gonna make a good guest on the Force Five Podcast? Do it. Do it. Yes. Okay, do it. So, what is what is my Eric? Can you help me? What is my top five from 2022? Or Bruce, can you tell me? Because I don't know. I don't. I don't watch these uh, movies. I'm pretending. Top five
3: honestly. from 2022. Yeah, so, top five. So, so Bruce, probably up there. Okay, that's maybe one. number one. Give me another one. Uh, was Bergman's Island? Was that? Was that last no. year? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you good. could do Petite <laughs>
2: Maman if you want to kind of uh, I get, hedge I get, yeah, a little go. bit. Yep.
0: You want to make me cry again, Bruce? You mentioned. I Petit do. Mom. I always,
2: always want to make you cry. That's my goal, a daily goal. Uh, how about uh, I don't know? Holy spiders, really good. Um, oh, oh my
0: gosh, holy Spider. So, ooh, yeah. what's
2: that movie? What's that movie where the kid is one kid is sick and the other kid isn't, and they're up in that like Turkish yes. school?
0: What oh. is that? What is that name of that movie? We're gonna have to look it up. We're gonna have to look it up. Eric Holmes is on the case right now. That movie is easily a top ten, and it's. Bruce, to your point, that movie's been buried. Nobody has heard of this movie. This is your chance.
2: Unbury the bodies.
0: (laughs) Unbury the bodies. Now, let's get to things that we are going to, hopefully, we won't bury. We're not going to bury the lead right now. Hopefully, some of these movies are really good. Three movies we're covering this week. Baby Ruby, The Locksmith, and finally, Alchemy of the Spirit. Let's start off with Baby Ruby first. It's in theaters and on demand February 3rd simple simple plot i so or maybe not centers on a mother recently has a kid and the baby named ruby is won't stop crying there may be supernatural occurrences that are happening around her there are friends that she meets around her neighborhood she lives in upstate new york with her husband and her husband's a free-range butcher she is a vlogger blogger, influencer, and she's very successful. And this actress is played by, uh, the role is played by uh, what's her name? Na- Naomi? Naomi Merlant from Portrait of, what is it, Bruce? Portrait of a...
2: Portrait of, Portrait of a Lady of a... from the 13th District, Paris. <laughs>
0: I think. <laughs> yeah, Portrait of a Lady on Fire and 13th District, Paris. Very good, Bruce, on that. Yeah, so she's a very good actress, and she is the lead in Baby Ruby. And she is she seeing things, or is there are there weird things that are happening to this mother this new mother and again obviously game of thrones john snow what is his name for some reason i kit harrington i believe i I gotta thank kit harrington he plays the free-range butcher husband supporting supportive husband and there's also a bunch of people there's some there's a mother-in-law there here and there's some friends and but mainly the whole movie centers on ruby and her mother that is the premise of baby ruby very atmospheric film. This is, for me, an acquired taste movie. I'm going to give my final thoughts or my my thoughts on Baby Ruby in a second. Let us start off with Eric Holmes on your reaction to this film.
3: Well, first of all, this is kind of hard to get through just because the baby cries so much. <laughs> and I started having PTSD when uh, one of my nieces and or nephews uh, had that same thing where they just like constantly cried, constantly cried. So I get the... Uh, I understand the frustration of the mom. This is uh, kind of like a we need to talk about Kevin, but instead of an adolescent, it's a it's a infant. And uh, also, unlike uh, we need to talk about Kevin, this kind of delves more into horror territory. I don't know that there's su. I, I won't say there was like supernatural in this, but it kind of leans like there could be supernatural in this. If that makes any sense. Overall, this didn't totally work for me. But parts of it did. This is kind of that. Uh, so basically, through a lot of watching this, I was just thinking I should be watching. We need to talk about Kevin. And then I thought about it. I'm like, I don't even want to say we need to talk about Kevin again because that movie was. It, this movie's not fun to watch. But yeah, I yeah, I I don't know. You <laughs> don't know. You're the, okay,
0: the, Bruce the, Perky. What do you? Uh, this this is, is something else. This is something else. This is something else. That is Eric's review of Baby Ruby. What do you get? What else? Do you got something? Well,
2: do you remember? What was it that I texted you when I was about 30 minutes into this film? Do you remember what I texted you? Said, you?
0: you said Greg F dash don't what <laughs> <No. was it? laughs>
2: I said, is this supposed to be a comedy? Do you think this is supposed to right. be a comedy? I don't think it's supposed to be a comedy. No,
0: it's not. I don't think so. I don't think so.
2: So this is supposed to be, I think, a hard hitting look at the paranoia and the psychological trauma that uh, a new mother might in- encounter right. when she feels like she's not connecting, and even the opposite, with her brand new baby. And just, and I guess one thing that we're setting to play in motion here is the character played by uh, Noemi Merlant, I don't know how to say her name. Noémie um, Merlant, yeah. Yeah, is that she, pre-birth of her child, she is the perfect mommy blogger, right? You know, everything is... Like, is yeah instagram to the nth degree and everything's handmade and crafted and she's got the you know nursery is perfect she's got the welcome baby signs she's making by hand it's all artisanal and blah 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 right she
0: uses the right fonts yes
2: so she is (laughs) she's got everything under control which obviously is to set up the exact opposite she has the baby and all of a sudden like she's not connecting with the baby in fact the baby is like her nemesis in this movie, mm-hmm. you know, she has high paranoia. She's having visions or isn't she, but it, it, it tilts for me. This is the thing about this movie that makes it kind of tough because this tilts towards camp in my book. Yeah. Like you have scenes where it's supposed to be a horrific moment of her imagining something. And it's, it's kind of funny. And, and that just be, might be my terrible sense of humor, mm-hmm. my totally sick sense of humor, but there's a scene. Okay. There's lots of scenes like this. it's It's not really ruining anything. But there's a scene where somehow she almost magically meets up with all of these other perfect mommies, you know? And it's almost like the Stepford Wives. It's like the Stepford Moms. Where, where they're all jogging with their prams, if <laughs> you want to be British about it, you know, and she's jogging and she's like, oh, oh my God, I can't handle this. Oh, my life has become hell with this baby strapped to me, you know, and they're all jogging behind her in like this haze of beautiful, you know, light and, and the sun is shining and they're all jogging past her. Oh, they're not even breaking a sweat and their babies are silent and her baby is just a demon from hell. And that's kind of how this is played out, but it's played out with the straight faced, and I think if you watch this as a really dark comedy, you can have a lot of fun. And that would be the only thing I would say about this movie. I don't know. I see Eric getting ready to say something. So speak I, up, Eric.
3: I I think if this movie was a prequel to St. Omer, I might have liked St. Omer better. <laughs> oh wow, that's, <laughs> that's I, a lot. I don't condone killing your kid. But I get it. But, like, but like, there's scenes <laughs> in
2: here. There's scenes in here. Okay, I'm gonna give a scene. Nothing's really a spoiler here. There's scenes in here where like she's started going off kind of going off the deep end and uh, her husband is like worrying about her everyone's worrying about her and there's so one point where he comes home and he's been worrying about her and there's just a big boiling pot between them and she just he just looks at the pot and they look at the pot and it's like what is this fatal attraction what's going to be in the pot you know there's a lot of scenes like that in this movie where you're just like this is this could easily tilt oh, into full camp
3: the, the, they wake up and the dog's
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. That I was, I was laughing a lot in this movie, and I don't think I should have been.
0: This movie is directed and written by Bess Wall, and that is a spelling of W O H L Best Wall. And yeah, so that is it, baby, baby Ruby, running at eighty nine minutes. Here's the one good thing about this movie: it is headlined by again, like Nomi Mer- Merland. And if you've, I have, if you've seen her in Tar or. Or what else? She was in the Paris 13th District and Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Here's this. What's really cool is this is her lead film. And it shows that she's, I can't wait for her to do a lot more English language movies. I don't mind her doing French films as well, but this is great. This this proves that she is, in my opinion, a star. She carries this movie with confidence. Well, her character is not very confident through the movie. Her character is in a state of just emotional distress. And this movie is a really interesting look at postpartum anxiety and whether or not you think it's supernatural or horror or thriller, it might be just an examination on a woman's psychological and emotional state going through this really just seemingly insurmountable situation.
3: So, Eric Holmes, your rating on Baby Ruby? Um. I'd probably go 3 stars on this. The, the I mean the 89 minutes of uh, uh infant crying like really gets under my skin, but I mean to be fair to the movie, that's kind of what's going for. Um and yeah, there's there's some really strange parts uh, didn't quite work for me, but I didn't hate it either. I I th- I think there's going to be some people that'll dig it. Um uh, but yeah, if if you uh if you don't like hearing babies cry, I would stay far away from this one.
0: Okay, Bruce, that's three stars from Eric Holmes. What is your rating on this?
2: Well, realistically, since I don't think it's intending to do this, I, I, I should probably call this a one-star banger. But I think to be fair, I don't think, I think that's too mean to it. So I think I'm going to call it a three-star banger. I think if you go into it with my <laughs> twisted sense of enjoyment, you'll have some fun with it. So I call it a three-star banger.
0: I thought Bess Wall as a filmmaker, I believe she's more of a writer than a filmmaker. This might be her debut film. I thought she did a really great job as far as framing the narrative as, as like sort of a locked in claustrophobic look at this woman who's becoming undone by being a mother. I thought it was a really interesting performance by Normie Murland. Even though Kit Harrington doesn't have much to do in this movie, he's good as one of the part of the ensemble. I was locked in for, for most of this movie. You said you, you were giving it three, what three star banger for you? Yeah. Bruce and three stars for Eric Holmes. I really love this movie. Uh, this is a rewatch for me. I liked everything. I like the visual <laughs> the, the visual sense of this movie. I love uh, the pacing. I love the final moments of Baby Ruby. It was very interesting. And a lot of the movie is you're wondering whether things are real or not. I, I just love the whole tone of Baby Ruby. I, I know there is a barrier to entry from Eric and, and Bruce's review of it. There are people who will not like this movie, but for some reason... There, There's going to be people who really glom onto this film. And what's weird, Eric Holmes, you're talking about baby crying. Like you, I'm sure you cha- you've changed diapers mm-hmm. in your day. And I took care of Claire when she was a baby a lot, like maybe my my six-year-old niece. And I changed her diapers. I heard her crying crying through the night. I get annoyed by so many things. But if, for some reason, baby, baby's crying. Uh, it's weird. I never get annoyed. It's well it's like well, music to me.
3: What, yeah. Well, Greg, you're
0: a misanthrope. And so yeah, baby's crying means they're in distress,
3: which makes you happy.
0: Which, Right, right. I, that's very, very good, Eric. Very good. I need to put a drum fill on that. Yeah, that, I might be a misanthrope, or maybe I am, but I also didn't mind uh, the baby crying in this movie. I love this movie. This movie, for me, Baby Ruby upon the rewatch. I, I can't wait to see this again. For Magnet releasing, I'm giving it four and a half out of five stars. That is my rating for Baby Ruby. Big, Greg, can yeah. you give us a hot take? Can you say, like, can you just say it
2: in the in the clear? Can you say feel good movie of the year so far?
0: <laughs> Baby, Baby Ruby is is a feel bad movie of the year, but it'll make you feel good as a cinephile. Four and a half stars for me. Bruce gives a three-star banger. Bruce, I thought you were gonna you were gonna go lower for than this, but I'm glad you, you got it, gave it the three-star banger. And then Eric gave gave it a solid three mild recommendation at three stars in theaters and on demand February 3rd. Let's get to a movie every single week. There's at least one or two or maybe five or 10 movies that I don't see. One of those movies is a film called Alchemy of the Spirit. Currently, as of this recording, it's available for purchase on Prime Video, but they will it will be available on more digital platforms down the road. Both Eric Combs actually hunted down this film and he shared a link for me to watch and Bruce to watch Bruce did the job and actually watched it who wants to start off with what alchemy of the spirit is about all I know is I, be- I believe two of the actors are married and they are from one of my favorite tv shows 24 but other than that alchemy of the spirit Eric why don't you go ahead and tell me tell us what our listeners what this movie's about
3: well uh what caught my eye on, on this was uh it was uh uh directed by Steve Balderson written and directed by Steve Balderson who did a movie I saw a long time ago called Firecracker starring Mike Patton and me being a Mike Patton fanboy, I had to watch that. And I I haven't seen any of his movies since and looked, and he's got like a bunch of them, so he's kind of flown under the radar, at least under my radar. And so when I came across this, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I want to watch this. Uh, currently it's 6.9 out of 10 stars on IMDb, which is about perfect this is basically um an artist he wakes up to find his wife dead in bed next to him and he gets uh he's uh has to make a he he, he has what what would you call that bruce like he's got a it's kind of like the uh the oh my brain just went dead um bob odenkirk on the last movie we watched last week
0: life upside down
3: what's that life life upside down he's kind of like that he makes art and then 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 right. he sells it to like a art place and then they sell this art or whatever and then so he's has to do that and he's using his wife as his muse but she's dead and so he's kind of got to he's kind of got to hide her body or just kind of keep people away from the house so he can finish his art project that he's doing that's kind of the narrative story, but this doesn't play like a narrative movie. It plays more like a, plays more like a dream kind of stuff. Like there's some narrative bits in it for sure, but a lot of it is kind of almost poetic, and from what I remember of, and it's been a while since I saw Firecracker. A lot of that was kind of the same way. It kind of it kind of goes back and forth between we're telling a narrative story and then slip into some weird dreamlike state and then you know go back. But this is uh, I would say if you like Firecracker, um, and I need to go back and watch the rest of his movies, but I I would recommend this if you're into that sort of thing.
0: Santa Fe, New Mexican. I'm looking at the press release here. Quote. From director Steve Balderson, like Eric Holmes said, firecracker, firecracker comes a visually poetic experience in pure cinema in the tradition of the films of Andre Tarkovsky and Stan Brackage. Bruce Perky is a fan of, I'm sure, Tarkovsky and Brackage. <laughs> Did you see a little swaths of that in here? Flourishes of that in Alchemy of the Spirit? Yeah, maybe.
2: I mean, I think this is one of those that is also kind of falling into the category of some movies we've been talking about recently. The um, Landlocked and Skinnamarink. These movies where it's it's very, narratively, it's very loosey-goosey. And it's a lot of mood and tone and a lot of not happening, like, actually. (laughs) So it really depends on kind of how much you lock into the tone of it. Uh, For me, I wasn't too locked in. There's a lot of him creating his artwork, which I thought was surprisingly kind of the most interesting part of this movie. Like, I actually was interested in how he was creating his art. And I went and read in the trivia, and I guess um, Xander Berkeley, the uh, actor who's playing the artist and the, the husband of the deceased woman, was do- it's his own artwork. So that is actually him doing his actual artwork that you see. So that part I thought was kind of interesting. But it was a lot of that, and then a lot of kind of his, I guess his ghost wife or the spirit of his wife speaking to him and him speaking back to her and it's like a lot of kind of poetic kind of stuff and it wasn't very interesting to me unfortunately sadly i could say it was kind of kind of a drag (laughs) overall
0: this sounds like a movie i'm gonna love i don't know maybe Maybe. eric i think oh maybe. maybe bruce maybe maybe okay
3: well did you love it eric Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Oh, okay, counter
0: to Bruce, he said it was a little bit of a ho hum alchemy of uh, let's not watch this movie again. What? What? So, what do you think, Eric? Well,
3: I, th- I think uh, Bruce is kind of right. Uh, similar with the with movies we talked about in the past. Like if you're if you're locked into the the tone of this and what it's, uh, what, watch thirty minutes of it. And if, if you're like, yeah, I'm digging this, just it keeps going. So just stick with it. If you're like 30 minutes in, like man, I don't know how much of this is left and just probably bail because it's <laughs> yeah. not going to be for you, but it, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's very, yeah, it's very specific. And if you're in for it, then you're going to love it. And if not, maybe not. Okay. So, all right. So I guess basically what you're saying, Eric, you should basically, well,
0: look, if you're going to pay for it on prime video right now, just make sure. It's what it's like very surreal. It's a very, spe- is it specified? I like an acquired taste kind of situation.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Um, I, I don't know about Tartovsky because what, what, is he the one that did Stalker and Polaris? Yeah. 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 Not a fan. I know I'm so, I know as a cinephile, I'm supposed to be, but uh, yeah, I can't, I can't get into it. I would this. say but,
2: meditative and poetic is kind of a better description, I think. Of yeah. This movie.
0: Okay. Yeah. Def- definitely. Bruce. That. You're rating on this, but you said it's meditative and poetic. It just didn't hit the right note for you because these yeah, are two just, good words. I like it.
2: Yeah, it didn't hit the right mood for me. So for me, it's probably like two stars, but I could see someone else going turning around and being four or five stars. It just, once again, it just absolutely depends on whether it hits you. It didn't really hit me, but I respected what it was doing. It just wasn't for me.
0: Okay, fair. That is two stars from Bruce Perky. Obviously, Eric Holmes, you gave it more than two stars. What are you, what are you giving this movie? Four and a half. Four, wow, yes. four and a half. Wow, four and a half. Wait, wait, wait. Four no, no, or Eric.
3: five stars? Maybe I'll do both. Four and a half. Four, four and a five half. Five stars.
0: Wait, Eric, that you're act- actually wrong there. You should move that four and a half from Alchemy of the Spirit, go do the up arrow and put it right next to Baby Ruby. you going to do that?
3: It, yeah, yeah.
2: if you don't it'll
3: be a baby crying over over. 6.9 start i'm not giving a 6.9 for a baby (laughs) it's not gonna happen this is a family show greg
0: family show anyways alchemy of the spirit four and a half stars from eric holmes two stars for bruce perky again as if this recording it's available on only one digital platform that platform being prime video but again more digital platforms
3: that's because it's a prime movie
0: it's a a prime movie very so a lot of support from eric and even though look even though bruce gave it two stars he's saying it just wasn't for him but he could see other people really enjoying alchemy of the spirit i wonder what bruce perky thinks of this movie called the locksmith starring starring ryan Philippi, kate bosworth and ving rames ryan Philippi is the aforementioned locksmith just got out of prison and he's looking to Well, I mean, the movie starts off with him getting in a sort of a frame job regarding some kind of, not heist, but he's picking a lock, trying to open up a safe. He thinks that he's free and clear, but something really bad happens. I'm not going to say specifically what, but it cuts to him years later, getting out of jail and trying to live the straight and narrow and arrow life. He has a former love played by Kate Bosworth. They have a kid together. So he's trying his best to stay out of trouble. The problem is trouble always seems to find him. Ving Rhames plays his mentor and sort of a kind of a father figure who helps Ryan Phillippe's character get his feet back on the ground. But the problem is the corrupt cop who actually put him in jail is back in action and things aren't, aren't looking really good for him. And then also a person from the locksmith's past, the locksmith is named Miller from Miller's past, comes back and she needs him to do a very important job for her or else she's going to be in really deep trouble. And he feels like he owes a huge debt to her. Again, Kate Bosworth is the love of his life, his ex-girlfriend, ex-lover Beth, and Beth is also a police detective. So this is a little bit of a crime thriller, family drama, drama, period. It's directed by Nicholas Harvard, and it's co-written by Chris Lamont and a person who's a friend to the show, Joe Russo. Let's start off with Bruce Perky on The Locksmith.
2: Yeah, so this is, as you describe it, it's obviously not a movie that's breaking new ground, right? I mean, we've seen lots of versions of this movie. Guy gets out of prison, tries to go straight and arrow, and they bring him back in, or something caused him to come back into the life of crime, or he's forced to do something to free his name, or whatever the case may be. In this case, it's more of a, the bad guy that kind of put him there is still there when he gets out. Uh, but now this bad guy has even more power as a, as like the head detective of vice, and he has his two thugs. And like you said, then there's this um, person from the past that he kind of owes a debt to. And that causes him to get back into the business. You know, this is the kind of movie where for me to really catch my eye, it needs to go really hard one way or the other. It needs to go either be just amazing action and amazing characters that just pop off the screen, or it's got to go full B movie. And I can't remember the name of it, but we have watched that one movie where the guy... um, he uh, had his kid got kidnapped from the, some drug lord and the kid was drawing pictures of him as like Jesus and stuff. Remember that one? Right. <laughs> I think it was yeah. the one that created the three-star banger as yeah. a, 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 a rating because it was so over the top that it made itself fun. And this movie just... Almost wants to go there and never quite goes there. For me.
0: Yeah, Shannon Sossaman was in that movie. I I really like yeah. that movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, that movie was really great. I wish I could remember the name of it. I think it had a really generic name, like the you know the I don't know, the accused or something. Oh, we've it heard it many times. Anyway. Up. And that had uh, and once again, you get character actors that you've seen before, and but are doing good work. I mean, Ryan Phillippe is doing a good job in here. Everyone's doing a good job, but for me, it just it just never went anywhere super duper interesting. Like all situations were a little too generic for my taste to like really to really give me a ton of fun. Now that being said, did I have a terrible time watching this movie? No. Was I angry at this movie when I was watching it? No. It was fine, <laughs> but that's not helping it. You know, there are no above.
0: saints. There are no saints. Yes. Saints with- Jose Maria See, Yaspik as a lead and Shannon Sassman in it. Yeah.
2: Almost the same plot too. There Are No Saints. Where the are, There Are No Saints went places and went for it and went a little gonzo. And that made it fun. And this movie never quite got fun to me.
0: Mm, never got quite fun to Bruce Perky. was it this movie fun for you, Eric Holmes?
3: Uh, it wasn't f- like fun. I, I was actually ex- expecting this to be like an action movie and it kind of isn't. Like, it's got action elements to it. But the, this went a lot more uh, personal than I expected a movie like this to go. I, I will say I absolutely love Ving Rhames' character. I saw this as a, uh, like, within the Shawshank universe.
1: Mm. Like,
3: Ving, Ving Rhames is the one that got Red all his, Red. Ving Rhames' character, Frank, is who Red and Shawshank always went to to get him this stuff. He's the one that got Andy Dufresne his little rock hammer. And I want to see a... Uh, I want to see a Locksmith slash Shawshank uh, tie-in where it's uh, just Frank and uh, Red and Andy Dufresne living out in Zewatanejo, just hanging out and (laughs) going (laughs) on uh, adventures. Uh, But this one was... a lot less action than I expected, but I still kind of dug it and obviously Ryan Felipe is awesome being range is awesome kate Bosworth is awesome like and everyone in this is great and uh there's uh i I guess I kind of do uh agree with uh Bruce a little bit I wish it could have went a little a little heavier on action or maybe a little heavier in camp like as it is I don't think it's bad I, I kind of liked it in fact I watched mm. it twice. You watch it (laughs) Watch Watch, no. I watch it, and then the next day I went back to the screen, I'm like, I'll watch The Locksmith. Yeah, that's cool.
2: (laughs) But we should agree also, like, you're more into these than I am. I'm like, this is kind of not my kind of movie in general, so that's another thing we should kind of let people know. Like, I generally – you got to kind of win me more in these kind of movies, so it takes a little more for me, so –
0: Yeah, this is Eric's type of movie. This is definitely my type. I've really been hammering home the last several years while we did Find Your Film and now Cinematics. I love these type of movies. I just go crazy for them. And the thing that really worked for me about The Locksmith is it is a genre B film, intendedly so, but like Eric and Bruce were saying, it goes a different way. Like Eric said, it's much more personal. And so if you're thinking this is going to be a revenge action drama, there may be elements to it, but it's more of a personal family character drama, which was a, a a weird a weird change for this type of movie. And I thought it worked for me initially. I I thought when the movie ended, and I go, "What? This is this is not the movie I was expecting." And then what's cool about that? This is I don't know, Eric, if you liked it better the second time around. I kind of changed my mind on this. I was sort of mixed. I go, "What? This is this is more of a character study than anything else." And then eventually, I I came around and ended up liking it because it was different than a lot of these type of movies that I did see. Let's go for ratings. Bruce Perky, you're rating on The Locksmith.
2: Um, I was going to go two stars, but because of the Chekhov's handcuffs element to it, I will go <laughs> two and a half stars.
0: Two and a half stars for Bruce Perky. Eric Holmes, your rating on The Locksmith.
3: I think I might be three and a half on this one. I almost want to go three-star banger, but I don't think this is quite a three-star banger movie. Okay. Um, But I I think three and a half is good. There's like, it's like, I I can't put my finger on it. But I think if they're like, they made some like lean one way or another, I would have just liked it that much more. But as it is, I still liked it. I watched it twice and uh, three and a half seems all like right.
2: if it had been crazier or meaner, like probably, or yeah, like you know, yeah. or, or like that.
3: they say on the film vault, uh, I w- <laughs> if it was better, I would have liked it more. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's not exactly that, but like, it, I, and I think a lot of that has to do with expectations because I was expecting like a total B action movie and this kind of wasn't that, this was something else, but I did appreciate what it was going for.
0: Uh, again, I was a huge fan of 24. There's a couple of stars, the Xander and Sarah. They're married. They were regulars on 24. There's an actor in this movie, Jeffrey Nordling. He plays the main antagonist in this movie and he was a regular as well on 24. So it's weird. A lot of these actors are just showing up that I loved years back on that Kiefer Sutherland series 24, but I really lo- enjoyed all the performances. Ving Rames specifically stood out for me. I liked, I really loved his character, Frank. Again, if they had just a movie with Frank and Miller played by Ryan Phillippe. I would have been down like some kind of buddy movie, just them in the shop and going on going on jobs and fixing things as fixer uppers. I would would watch it. Interesting, but this is this is an interesting character drama for me. It worked. Kate Botsworth was fine as a detective, and also there's there's a daughter here. There's sort of a family element. I liked it. It worked. It worked for me. I'm giving this movie four stars. Four stars for the locksmith. And again, this is for some, I think I blame Eric Holmes when you started the whole thing with Scott Atkins several years ago. I just, and I started with Avengement and I went last two and a half years. I've just been watching a lot of these movies that are indie driven and they are B films and they star really talented actors and they might not have the big budget of a studio film, but I just glom onto these films. I love these narratives and I love these films. I love the Arno Saints. That's <laughs> a movie, I, and that's where that's where Three Star Banger started I, with Arno. I should story.
3: also point out, like, I, I, we have no idea, but like of the so we've done we've done this one Hard Kill and All Pair Nightmare. I love All Pair Nightmare, and that's the one that Joe Russo wrote that he also directed. And yeah, these other ones good. he's writing, but he's not directing them. I want. I wonder what the uh, Joe Russo directed Locksmith would be like. And I really (laughs) want to know what a Joe Russo directed uh, Hard Kill would be like, but I can't speak more on that. (laughs) (laughs) Very interesting. Okay, so that is, yeah,
0: co penned by Joe Russo. That is The Locksmith in theaters and on demand February 3rd for this Cinematics Podcast feed. Later on this week, I will be actually tomorrow as we record this. I'll be doing an interview with both Ryan Philippi separately and then also the director, Nicholas Harvard. Harvard. Harvard, Nicholas Harvard. Yeah. So also shout out to some of the black and white movies that are playing in a motel. One of them, Bruce, did you get the references of the black and white TVs or Eric? Did you know what movies they, they were?
3: I don't remember. Mm-hmm. You know, you saw twice. There was, I know, there, but that, there, that was there, like there,
0: a month ago. A month <laughs> and a half ago. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think one of them is Touch of Evil. And I think the other one was Big Sleep. I'll ask Nicholas tomorrow. what. Oh those yeah. Movies I
2: did see Touch of Evil. That's for sure. You're right. Yeah, Touch of Evil.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that is it. That is our featured for this week. Now let's go to recommends. Bruce and Eric have a couple of movies to talk about. Let's start start off with the Netflix release. I, I, am I right on this? The Netflix Netflix release, mm-hmm. Athena. Bruce, take it away.
2: Yeah. So Athena, I think that if I remember correctly, Eric did talk about this back in whenever it came out, September, October. But it was a super fast like recommendation towards the end of the episode.
3: I think that's right. Does
2: that sound right to you, Eric? Yeah, I'd, I'd I help. think
3: so. <laughs> I saw I saw the locksmith twice and don't remember it. You think I know remember something I saw? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <earlier> back
2: then? <laughs> so anyway, Athena, it's on Netflix, and you know how Netflix is. If it's if it it might get on their little splash page for a day or two. And if it's not a major release or if it's an in- international release or something like that, it's going to drop off super fast. I started hearing this pop up on people's year end lists here and there, like not consistently, but enough that it made me go like, well, I should go back and check that out. I never did check out that, that movie. And I, I remember Eric thinking it was kind of cool. So I went back and started watching it. And within like the first, well, there's the opening sequence. It's probably about 10 minutes before the titles pop up. And I was just like, oh wow, this movie has a level of energy and camera work and filmmaking that just kind of blew me away. In fact, after watching this movie, it might've made my top list for the year. Uh, one of one of my top films of the year, because there's an energy and a filmmaking that's going on here that I just, you just gotta admire if you're a film lover. So per- really quickly, it's made by uh, Romain Gavras, who is the son of Costa Gavras which you may, I'm probably saying the name wrong, which you might know as a very, very famous filmmaker, which I need to go back and catch some of his films. Uh, he made Missing, which keeps coming up, the Sissy Spacek uh, <laughs> version from the 80s. He also made Z and a bunch of other really uh, uh, famous movies. So the energy of kind of revolution is kind of key to Costa Kostigavis' work, and it's right here in Athena. So... Two big things. Athena has lots and lots of oners. But these are incredibly technically insane oners, where there are hundreds of true extras. There are things like explosions, a car coming through the front of a building while people are running around. And you follow the people running around, and they jump in the back of a van. And then while they're in the back of the van, somehow the point of view changes from the van to... To outside the van, because if you watch the making of this movie, they literally hand the IMAX camera from the person who's holding it in the in the van to the person that's on a motorcycle, and then back to the van. And all of this is happening in a single take without CGI. And there's multiple takes like that in this movie. And if you, there's a there's a making of that is also on Netflix, which is also very great, where you see how they do all these do all these works. The basic concept of the movie is this: uh, you're in France. Uh, in the projects, basically. Uh, with Athena is the name of this kind of housing project in France. And it starts out, you're at a police station. The older brother of a young man who was killed by the police is giving a speech and calling for peace. And within a few seconds, another brother of the same dead man is in the back of the crowd. He throws a Molotov cocktail into the crowd, and so it begins. And the basic concept is you have these two brothers. One is kind of trying to keep the peace, To some degree, the other one is wanting to burn the whole system down. The movie is all about that. There is amazing sequence after amazing sequence after there's basically a siege by the police uh, and maybe even the military. It's kind of hard to tell. On this housing complex, which has been taken over by revolutionaries who are basically literally burning things down, so uh, this is quite an amazing movie. If you
0: sound interested in that, you should definitely go check it out. And so, Eric, do you remember anything about Athena? You, you I remember you loving it and re- recommending it months ago.
3: Yeah, the the uh, I've seen the movie a couple times. I've seen that opening one or about 20 times. I don't think the cinematography in this can be under, can't be overstated. A lot of this, uh, as I'm watching the movie, I'm going, wow, this is really cool. Would they use a drone for that? And then you look at the behind the scenes, like there, there's a part where like a, you know, the, the camera just like goes up and then you see like the, the everything, you know, look like maybe like a drone shot. Nah, they didn't do a drone shot. What they did was they hooked the uh, cameraman to a zip line and shot him 200 feet in there. And that's how they got the shot. And was like, i as great as Athena is, and Athena is great because it, uh, especially what it's about, just uprising against police violence. That's, I mean, that's the the pretty simple theme of it. But the uh, making of this, oh my god! Like I, I'm watching this movie. You know, I, I love the themes. I love the story. I, I love the third brother that we didn't mention. The the one that's, yep. dude. I just want to do my drug deal. <laughs> don't pull me into your. Don't pull me into your political crap. I don't care. But I, as much as I love the movie the behind the scenes is even uh, almost as good because you're watching the movie going, oh, okay, that's probably how they did that. You think the easiest thing, and then you see how they actually did it. And it's like, oh, geez, <laughs> that's impressive.
2: Well, and the one main revolutionary guy wasn't even really an actor, and he's doing like tons of heavy lifting yeah. in this movie, and he's getting injured a lot. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> Okay, so. so that is Athena currently on Netflix, a must-see. What is your rating on this, Eric Holmes?
3: Uh, Athena's a five.
0: Vina is a five for Eric. Actually, Holmes.
3: no, I think it's a six point nine star movie.
0: Six point nine for Eric yeah. Holmes. What about you, Bruce Perky?
3: Uh, it's still fresh in in my brain.
2: Um, it went from four to four and a half, and I think it's it's five now for me, for sure. This this mm. movie is is this movie is really really great and needs to be rediscovered.
0: Okay, high recommendations both from Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky. Six point nine for Eric and five stars for Bruce Perky now very quick thing the last of us we know what it's about three episodes in i should i catch up with this guys bruce eric eric let's start off with you the last of us hbo max worth watching or not
3: uh yeah so so far yes um i'm i'm a fan of craig mazin because i listen to the the script notes podcast um you know he got uh pretty early on in his career he wasn't getting very much accolades because he like did a lot of uh writing for like the hangover sequels uh he directed um uh oh, what was that? Super, the James Gunn wrote it. It's the it was like uh this it was like Super before Super came out. It was like a superhero Slither? theme. A no 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 that's that's uh, Craig Mazin, the Specials. That that's yeah, what it's yeah. called. Um th- and so that was a pretty interesting take on the superhero genre before it kind of became passe now. But then he did uh uh the Chernobyl that uh Greg have you seen Chernobyl at all? No. I
0: haven't seen Chernobyl.
3: I I think was it three episodes, like three. I think five, oh, five. I say five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it's a basically a mini series. Uh, it's a really great one, and this mm-hmm. one just kind of. Uh, uh, this is just uh, Craig Mazin killing it yet again. Superhero
0: movie. Superhero movie. Last Directed and written. No superhero movie, and that's that's not oh. specials. Superhero movie from two thousand eight.
3: Oh no, that that was one of uh but yeah, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the Craig Mason that like early Craig Mason where people are like, oh this guy sucks, and then and then he finally gets to do something like Chernobyl and The Last of Us, and people are like, Oh, Craig Mason's the greatest. I'm like, I mean, kinda already was. It's just, you know, it, you know different, you know, different people do things. They try things early on in their career and uh maybe they just take a job. I don't know what it is, but The Last of Us is pretty fantastic so far. We're I mean, we're only three episodes in. It could very easily uh, just kind of you know S the bed. I don't see that happening, but oh yeah, and guess what? This is a video game show. This is based on a video game. Right, exactly. And Bruce. We, which is also uh, pretty amazing. And this this particular this last episode with Nick Offerman, which I love Nick Offerman, it's really good, really heartfelt. And that last shot at the window is Chef's Kiss.
0: Chef's Kiss. Do you agree with this, Bruce, on The Last of Us? Is it must-watch TV or must-watch series on HBO Max?
2: I think so. I, I do. Um, I I know that um, I I personally never played the game. So for me, it's a fresh story as well. But as I'm watching it, I'm going back and watching people that are comparing like the differences and the changes and stuff. And from what I'm seeing so far, the changes are all really interesting and good, but they're also maintaining... The spirit and the story of the of the original game so i think they're doing a really interesting tight wire act there which they are overall it seems like they are pleasing people who love the game overall although this newest episode definitely has has got certain crowds up in arms about what's happening but those crowds are always up in arms about things that shouldn't be up in arms about in my opinion uh but on the other side of things i don't i can't even describe this episode i don't think can i eric i need to leave it vague because people yeah. need to discover this episode yeah. let's just say it's an episode that could be seen as a detour and could see be seen by some people as detracting from the main story but i think in if anything it's it adds a level of depth and emotion to the series that was really needed by about this point in the series and i think it is going to stand as in a very amazing episode of television in general. Wow.
3: Bruce. T- t- tell me if this makes sense. Uh, Dahmer, the deaf guy episode. Yes. This yes. is, this, this is that episode. It's kind of, it kind of detours from the main, the main story, but it, At the same time, because it could stand alone, but at the same time, it brings so many things together, like uh, character-wise. There's another comparison I'm seeing a lot of people make. I'm not
2: going to make it because it does kind of give away a a somewhat of the nature of this episode, but there's a beginning of a movie that is very effective that people love that is getting a lot of comparison to this as well. And I would even say-
3: I I know what you're talking about. Yes, definitely.
2: (laughs) But, and I will also reiterate what Eric said, and that is there is a final shot That is restrained, but highly emotional and really beautiful and poetic and the way they do it and the way they choose to not show certain things is really, really, really well written and well well directed. And there's two points, I think, in this movie where they could have shown a certain thing which they didn't show, which I think is the right choice. And once again, I can't talk about why, but I I really, really quite love this episode and the the series in general. And I was not sold on watching the series. I had no... I had no, um, I guess, emotional stake in this, you know, series being great, but so far it's great.
0: Okay, so far it's great, and I, there's no rating right now because the op- episodes are ongoing. There's three episodes down, another episode coming up this week, and I believe, well, I don't know when it drops. I'm assuming it drops every Sunday on HBO Max. Yeah, I guess I'm th- I'm three weeks behind. Maybe I'll I'll catch up with the last of us. Maybe I'll actually play the video game. I know I know the video game is very heralded and award winning and and whatnot. Okay, so that is it. Uh, I'm assuming it's just a, a must-watch from Eric and Bruce. Any final thoughts on The Last of Us, Eric Holmes?
3: Yeah, it, it's really good. Uh, real quick, though, uh, Brothers Keeper. That's the name of the movie we're talking about at the top of the show. The uh, the kid who got sick and his brother kind of tries to get help.
0: Okay, yeah. Brothers keep- has,
3: not, has nothing to do with The Last of Us, but I didn't want that <laughs> thread hanging before we ended the show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't want any loose threads to be. Okay, so I'm, I'm all about the loose threads. And not making sense, but what you know what does make sense, guys, is the beautiful work that Peter Beta does for us on a given week here on Cinematics. Also, Peter Beta does great work as the chairman of the board for Middle Class Film Class. Check out Middle Class Film Class, Bruce. What is what is Middle Class Film Class? You're a, you're an avid listener. Why do you like that podcast so much with Tyler? Uh,
2: I think it's like most podcasts Joseph, where I really yeah. like him. I, I I like the people as much as I like the you know, the subject matter. I want to hear people's take on the movies, but it's the interaction between Tyler and Joseph and Pete that really kind of gives it that extra special spice, I guess.
0: Speaking of special spice, here is some extra special stuff from Peter Beta. Pete, what does Pete do every week? Air combs? Pete?
3: Yo, Pete.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's an extra acapella air combs. Remove your hand from the box and you die what's in the box pain so okay so now we're back for our movie of the week which is what's in the box it is what is it bruce it does it is it does this movie work oh you, you saw it too eric it's currently free on prime video the man in the hat suggested by angie clark
2: Yes, uh, and it's directed by John Paul Davidson and Stephen Warbeck. But Stephen Warbeck, when I looked at Stephen Warbeck's credits, is mostly a composer. And when I was watching this movie, after the fact, I saw that and I was like, that kind of makes sense that there's a composer as part of the directing team of this uh, movie. So um, I'll I'll give a little bit and then let Eric hop in on this too. So the main, the man the main character in this is just called the man is played by, I never know how to say this guy's name, but you've seen him in a million things. He's a character. Kieran actor. Hines. Thank you. Thank you. Kieran. I was like, is it Kiaran? I don't even know how to say it. Kieran. I, Hines. I don't
3: know if that's it. That's what I've heard. So well, I'll go. That's what I'm going with. Kieran sounds.
2: Hines. It sounds very probable. Anyway, you'll see this guy and he'll be like, I've seen this guy in a million things. He's one of those actors. You've definitely seen him in many other roles. And, but anyway, the movie starts out and, uh, the character of the man, he's just sitting at this little, um, it's like a little seaside French bistro or something. He's sitting outside, like outside of the cafe. He's just got a, you know, cup of whatever. He's just looks like he's kind of taking his time. And uh, a little car pulls up and it looks like a bunch of mobsters. You're not sure what they are. A bunch of mobsters get out. They have a big package they throw in the water. Probably a body, you're thinking. And then they look over at our our main character, and they give him a long look, and he disappears and runs into the night. You know, hops in his little car, very little cars, you know, going to the countryside in these little tiny tin can cars that you get in France. And uh, the rest of the movie is kind of this almost, it's not a silent movie, but it's almost a dialogue-less movie. So it, gets this, it has this feeling of almost this whimsical... It almost has this feeling of like a silent movie where it's like you have these vignettes where he's traveling across the countryside in a slow speed chase from these guys or almost just random re-encounters with these guys. But just as much as that, he's encountering various characters and then re-encountering various characters in just odd moments. And that's kind of the movie. And there's also musical moments in this movie as well, but they're they're diegenic. You know, they they happen in the scenes. They're not They're not like the movie I t- talked about a few weeks ago where there's like a band literally behind him. No, he goes into a place where there's someone singing or someone playing music or something like that. So it kind of makes sense in most of the situations. But um, I'll let Eric bring up one that he's got referenced behind him on the video. So he can bring up that. But a lot of different vignettes where, so for example... You know, he stops on a bridge and he looks down at a river and his hat falls off his head into the river and then he has to go get it. And he meets somebody when he does that. Or he's in a cafe and a woman leaves behind her, you know, her little journal and he goes to give it back to her. And then he keeps re-encountering her on his journeys. And it's that kind of thing. Very, very gentle, almost like a travelogue meets little vignette scenes that are slightly amusing, slightly whimsical, slightly emotional. I think if this is once again is like we talked about earlier, it's one of those kind of movies. If you're in the mood for it, and you kind of can just go along with this kind of peaceful travelogue, I think you might have a good time. Hmm.
0: What about you, Eric?
3: Yeah, this has uh, uh, it. Almost feels like a like an anthology, kind of like Four mm-hmm. Rooms. Not where like uh, like Four Rooms like. They're all separate stories, but they're all connected with Tim Ross' character as a bellboy throughout. So it feels like one moving set of four shorts put together. This feels kind of like that, almost like a, a bunch of uh, a bunch of shorts, but Kieran Hines' character is what glues the entire thing together. But it, unlike Four Rooms, it has more of the energy of like Miss Harris goes to Paris or uh, Amelie. It's got that kind of energy to it. Um, oh, cool. Uh, maybe a little bit of Wes Anderson, but not so, uh, aggravating <laughs> I actually like this one. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, one of the characters, uh, they come across is uh, a man and a woman with a tape measure and they're constantly tape measuring things. And, uh, are I, I don't even know if I should give any of it away, but it, it, it's really cute how they're, uh, and every time you see them, their characters kind of interact, become more and more personal as it goes on. And they kind of have an arc of their own. In fact, a lot of the reoccurring characters, like every time you see them, there's something a little bit different happening. Yeah, this is this is a pretty great movie. And if you're into that kind of uh, whimsy sort of uh, film, this, this will scratch an itch for sure.
0: The Man in the Hat currently streaming on Prime Video, I believe. What is your rating on it, Bruce? I will probably
2: go, see, this is one of those I think that'll go up and down depending on kind of your mood. If you're in the mood for this, this is like catnip. But I say mm-hmm. in general, I would probably go three and a half on this one.
0: Three and a half on The Man in the Hat from Bruce. What about you, Eric?
3: Um, I think I might be the same. Uh, but on, like on any given day, like this could be yeah. easily be a four and a half. Or if I'm just in a really annoyed mood, I'd be like, F this movie, two stars. But uh, I, I think three and a half is about good. Um, and, and your, yeah, your, your take on it's going to vary depending on what, what, what kind of, what what kind of joy you want to let in your life.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is kind of like if you're in the mood to watch like a really cool, like cooking show or Anthony Bourdain or something like that, this feels like this is like, you could fall into
0: this. Okay. So that is the man in the hat. Three and a half for both Bruce and Eric. That ends our box for this week. Bruce, you're going to be checking the box for next week, since we're going to get Anderson in two episodes from now. What do you got for next week? Well, let's see. What's in the bleeping box? What's in the box? Okay.
2: If I can open this darn thing. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just leaving total dead air here. (laughs) That's
0: all right. No worries.
2: (laughs) This is suggested by Brian O'Connell. It's from 1962. It's The Notorious Landlady.
0: Oh, The Notorious Landlady. Okay. Thank you, Brian O'Connell, for that. I just interviewed an actress today, Drew Boylan, and uh, Crew Boylan, sorry, Crew Boylan from this movie called Seriously Red, and her recommendation. It's one of her favorite movies. You can put it in if you want to, Bruce or not. Steel Magnolias, so it's up to you. Oh God, no! I will (laughs) not. (laughs) Bruce refuses. Crew Boylan from Seriously Reds recommendation of
3: one of my worst movie-going experiences was Steel Magnolias.
0: Have you ever seen Steel Magnolias? Eric Holmes.
3: Yeah, probably like probably not like front to back. but I'm sure I watched like bits and (laughs) pieces. I I probably saw the whole thing, just not in order. It's like one of those ones.
0: No, that's so funny. Okay, so that is next week's for box the Notorious Landlady. Have no idea what that is. I I think it sounds kind of familiar, but. Brian O'Connell usually has some really interesting movie picks. So we'll, Bruce and Eric will be checking that movie out. Next week, we're going to actually be covering a couple of new movies, upcoming movies. One of them is called Devil's Peak. It's a crime thriller with Billy Bob Thornton and Robin Wright. And then a movie that Bruce has already seen, but he can't say anything because I believe it's under embargo. There's a thriller called Daughter starring Casper Van Dien. It's from Dark Star Pictures. The reason why I wanted us to get this one is because... Dark Star Pictures are the distributors of Missing, a.k.a. Saga Siwin. Whenever they're putting out a movie, I'm I'm interested in seeing what it's all about. That is it for this episode, episode 175. Any final thoughts, Eric Holmes?
3: Uh, Yeah, I got an email from uh, Don't Die, a movie we uh, donated for the Indiegogo. And it looks like they got picture lock, uh, not final cut yet, but picture lock. And they got some post-production stuff. So we should probably be hearing about that movie pretty soon. And who stars in that, Eric Holmes again? I believe it's Virginia Newcomb.
0: Virginia. I, Newcomb. I keep
3: almost wanting to say Virginia Madsen. And, <laughs> but I didn't do it this time. Virginia you did not
0: Newcomb. do it. It's Virginia. We have Newcomb.
3: an award named after her
0: the Virginia Newcomb Award. Okay, final thoughts Bruce Berkey.
3: All
2: I want to say is that, hey guys, I'm growing some strawberries out back. And I do expect you guys to come over soon and share them with me. Just be prepared. They're going to be really, really good.
0: Yeah, I'm I'll be drinking drink the wine. I'll be, I'll be. Oh,
2: I might be singing a little, Ron, little Ron's dad So look forward to that.
0: That's no strawberries. All right, guys, we'll see you guys next week here on Cinematics.